Thank you for your word. Thank you that you're causing it to grow. Thank you that we're growing and developing. Thank you that uh, Colossians 3.16, your word richly dwells among us this morning. Thank you we have ears to hear, Revelation 2, what the Spirit of God would say to us. Because in the last days, you're speaking clearly. We want to clearly hear what you're saying to us as a people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to jump right in today, and we're going to travel through this. Today is more of a teaching, and so just bear with me as we teach through some things, but I believe the Lord's really going to help us. Look at my title slide as my main man, Branson, pulls it up here. The title of this message this morning is, You Are in Control of the Grove. You are in control of the grove. Do you have it? There we go. Yeah. Because the only limit is you. The only limit to where you can go in the kingdom of God, the only limit to what God can do in your life is you. I stopped by this morning just to tell you that you can walk with God like the Apostle Paul walked with God. You can walk with the Lord just like the apostles did. You can walk with the Lord like Billy Graham has walked with the Lord. The ceiling is you. The the only limit to what God can do through you and in you is is you. And how you know I don't want to be the ceiling of what God is doing in my life. You are in control of the growth. How much we grow together as a body, how much we grow as a church numerically, how much we grow physically, and how much we grow spiritually, we have something to play, a part to play about in the kingdom of God. You know, God's natural order and design is growth. From a baby we began to grow. You look out, you go to your parents' house, maybe you've not been there in a few years, or, or go back to your grandmother's house, and you notice a tree that was this big when you were a kid. Now the tree is huge. You're like, what happened? The tree was designed to grow. I would bet Pastor Randy Emily would say that Judah is growing because he's designed to grow. As a matter of fact, if something is not growing the way that it should, it's an outward sign that something is wrong. It's an outward sign that something on the inside is wrong if we're not seeing the outward growth that that we're designed to. But even though God designed growth, and even though God designed progress, we still have some things that we have to do. And and there are certain elements that we can put into our life that will accommodate and maximize our growth. No one wants to go backwards, right? No one wants to be stagnant. No one wants to stay the same. We all want to progress in the things of God. and We all want to go to a new level. So turn to Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4. If not, it will be on the screen. And let's go to verse 13. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13. I love these passages. These are very, very helpful passages. All right, verse 13. If you could go ahead and pull that up, please. Verse 13. Ephesians 4, 13 says this. Until we all... Now, I could stop right there and preach for an hour. I won't, but I could. We all are in this together. This is not just for the adults. This is for the children. This is not just for the, the leaders. This is for, the, the, uh, for everyone in the church. Whether you're involved in ministry or not, this is all of us. We are in the body of Christ, and we're called to grow in the things of God until we all, meaning until we all are there, we can't stop. As a church, we can't quit investing and praying and reaching and seeking until we are all there. It says, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. That word mature in the Greek language is the Greek word teleos, and it means perfect. It means complete. It means lacking in no area. So the the writer here of Ephesians, the great Apostle Paul, his vision is that we would grow up and attain unity and faith and knowledge so we could become mature, so we could grow up. 
It says we could be a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, as a result, when we invest in growth, when we invest in the disciplines, when we invest in prayer and giving and fasting and the things we're going to talk about this morning, when we invest in those, we see results. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine. How many of you have ever met someone and they don't know what they believe? One month they believe this. Next month they believe this. You see them in a year and they're on this fad. That's why I'm not a fad chaser. That's why I've had the same dad young haircut since I was four years old. I'm not a fad chaser. I just, I'm just steady in certain areas. And so some of you are wishing I would get another haircut. I'm always wishing I would get another hairdo. But, but we can't chase spiritual fads. That's why we need to be steady and consistent in the things of God. Notice this here. Children in the Word. Children in the Lord are tossed to and fro, meaning they're easily swayed from what they believe. They don't have roots. You see, my heart as your pastor, our staff, our heart as a staff is that you would be so firm in the Lord that Satan can never come in and can never pull you away from the plan of God and he can never take you off the path. He can never get you over here in some goofy theology or, or some goofy thing where you're married but yet you feel like... God is leading you to get a new spouse because it would make you happy. Have you know that's not God going to have an amen? I've heard people say that. Well, doesn't God want me to be happy? Listen, buddy, if you're married, you are stuck and loving it. That's what God wants. You are stuck and loving it. No condemnation if you're on your second or third marriage, but don't say I'm on my third marriage. Say I'm on my last marriage. Amen? I'm on my last marriage. So we don't want to be children. The Apostle Paul saying, I want you to grow up. I don't want you to be tossed about by every Christian fad that comes, every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men. Meshach said today in, in Africa, there are brothers that say, you're not going to heaven if you don't give. That's trickery of men. That's craftiness and deceitful scheming. And look at verse 15. It says, but speak the truth in love. How many know when you grow up, you learn to say things differently? How many know it's not sometimes what my children say, it's how they say it. Have you ever said, don't talk to me in that tone of voice? <laughs> I tell you guys, don't look at me in that tone of voice. I can see what you're thinking in your mind. But as we grow up, we, we begin to speak the truth in love, meaning, meaning God, God directs every part of our life, even to the point where we learn how to deal with people in love. You can confront and you can correct, but you can always do it in love. We learn how to do that as we grow up. Notice this here. We are to grow up in all aspects into Him. Now, I've been waiting to do this for a few weeks now as the Lord's been stirring this in my heart. And you're going to really be blessed by this. Turn to your neighbor and just tell him, grow up. I've been waiting on that. Just tell him. I knew that Susan was ready to tell that to Rick. Grow up. <laughs> Notice my wife is in the back, so she can't tell me that today. Hallelujah. But what is God's plan? It is, it is to grow up into all aspects. This morning we're going to talk about balance. There's so many churches that focus on this thing or that thing or this thing. And really in the Word of God there's, there's a balance. There's a, a spiritual diet, if you will. How many of you are on a New Year's diet? Anybody on a New Year's diet? How many of you have already blown the New Year's diet? 
I have to confess something to my man, Jared. You work out quite a bit. Do you work out? Yeah, your arm looks like you work out. So, so my man, Jared, works out here. And, and Miss Tara and I, or the lovely, my beautiful wife, Tara, we are, we are on a quest to, to exercise. We, we, Melissa, we either have to eat less or do more. And so we're trying to decide which one's easier. You can eat less or do more. And so we have been, uh, at nighttime, laying on the couch watching people exercise on YouTube to get us motivated. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, and I feel I feel so benefited just by watching it. And what we're trying to do, let me clarify that, lest you think we're psychotic. We've been trying to see what will work for us because we want to do some exercises at home with the kids. We don't want to get out to the gym and all that. And last night, the other night, I was like, hey, honey, let's, let's watch some more exercise videos. And she said, that is not helping us any. I'm not watching one more exercise video. Unless we're going to do the exercises. And so how do you know? We, we need to grow up. And it's a spiritual diet. It's a spiritual diet. What we're talking about, praying and fasting, seeking the Lord. This is a, a balanced spiritual diet. How many can see me laying on the couch just... You go, you do it, you get after it. <laughs> but we will be doing those exercises in Jesus' name. Now notice this here, we're to grow up into all aspects, into Him. We want you to grow into Him. When, when Mo comes to church, I want him to look more like Jesus. He's growing up into Him. And it says, verse 16, I want you to see this. This is very powerful, verse 16. It says, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together, the whole body is fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. As we grow in the things of God individually, our church will begin to grow spiritually and then we will also grow numerically. We'll be able to reach more people, disciple more people. It says the body is fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. George is a supply joint. Meshach is a supply joint. Bob and Gail are a supply joint. And our body is working and functioning together by what every joint supplies. You put, supply something to the body. Your individual life and your individual family supplies something to the entire body. Notice this here. According to the proper working. So when we grow and we're walking with the Lord and as Jim is getting involved and investing his life into the kingdom through the local church, he is a supply joint. And as it works properly, each individual part, it causes the growth of the body. So when Pastor Michael is functioning in his element and when Joyce is functioning in her element and when Mary is in her element, she's properly working and she is a supply joint, the body, the grow, the body grows together. And it says, for the building up of itself in love. And so we work together. Each individual part causes the growth of the body. And so on our spiritual journey in 2018, we want to come out better. We want to come out faster. We want to come out sharper. We want to come out stronger for the kingdom of God. Branson, pull up this PowerPoint for life, this next slide here. I want you to see this. The difference in your 2018, and that's a little faint, I'm sorry, that's my fault on the text there. The difference in your 2018 versus your 2017 will be the energy and the effort you put into your personal change and your personal growth. The difference in 2018 in my walk with God will be my personal effort to change and my personal devotion and attention to growth. So I want to give you four simple things this morning. Four godly guarantees to growth. How I many know if it's alliteration? It must be of God. Four godly guarantees for you to grow. And these are found 
in Acts chapter 2. Look at the next slide there, Branson. If you can look ahead a little bit and track with me, I would really appreciate it. You're doing a very good job. Our balanced spiritual diet for growth and maturity is found in Acts chapter 2. Let's read that together, okay? All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 41. If you'll pull that up. All right, thanks, man. He broke his arm and he's still serving the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Hey, praise God. All right, Acts 2, 41. Notice this here. So that those who had received the word were baptized. I love the model of Acts 2, the Acts 2 church. And that day, they were added about 3,000 souls. This is, this is revival. 3,000 people in one day were born again. But I want you to see something. If you were here last week, I talked about uh, growing in the Lord, and, and you can't bring in a baby home from the hospital and then lay that baby down and come back and visit that baby in seven days. That baby needs immediate attention. And so there is something here. There's a, a prescription the Lord wrote. There are 3,000 people that are born again. They're saved. They come into the kingdom of God. But there is something else that had to happen. There's a prescription for growth that the Lord outlined. They immediately began to do something. And this is where the discipleship process starts. Notice this here. They were baptized. They believed. Look at verse 42. Check this out. It says they were continually devoting. So they didn't just get saved and then go on about their merry way and their happy life as normal. It radically changed their life. When they encountered Jesus, they walked away different. They walked away with a passion. And so they encountered Jesus and then they continually devoted. I love that term here, devoted. Have you ever heard of a devoted husband or a devoted wife? Where he's a devoted employee, he's a very devoted student. You understand what that means? Giving all of our attention, all of our energy, all of our efforts. So they continually devoted themselves. It wasn't happenstance. It wasn't an accident. First of all, the apostles' teaching. Then they devoted themselves to fellowship. Then they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And then they devoted themselves to prayer. So they're born again. They come into the kingdom of God and instantly the Lord sets them on a trajectory for growth. But we have people that have been born again in the kingdom of God for decades and they haven't grown a bit. It's, I see it all the time. And so no matter where you are in your walk with God today, we're going we're gonna to walk through these four things. Apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. We're going to see how these align with the spiritual disciplines. We're going to talk over the next few weeks about putting God first. And then after we put God first, we can correctly put our family first. And then after we put our family first, we can correctly put the Lord's church first. And we're going to walk on this journey through the next weeks through these, these passages here. So here's, here's four godly guarantees. Now look at verse 43. Go to the next verse. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Look, when they, when they devoted themselves to growth, when they devoted themselves to go to a new level, when they devoted to invest, Look what happened. Many wonders and all and signs were taking place. And that's what we're believing God for. So this is our diet. This is, this is getting off the couch, watching YouTube, and this is actually exercising. This is putting feet to what we're talking about. So let's jump in this morning, and then we'll, we'll get through a few of these, and we'll pick back up maybe next week. Number one, the first godly guarantee to growth is the Apostles' Doctrine. The Apostles' Doctrine. And I will fix that next week. I'm sorry that text is kind of faint. The Apostles' Doctrine. What does doctrine mean? Doctrine means teaching. Don't get confused by that. 
fancy term doctrine. It actually means teaching. So they were to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. In our day, we can write this down if you're taking notes. That's the Word of God. We can devote ourselves to the Word of God. Meaning it wasn't something casual. It wasn't something that they could just take or leave. They were to devote themselves to the Word of God. Primarily, uh, the apostles' teaching, the apostles were in the New Testament. We love the Old Testament. We need to study the Old Testament. We need to familiarize ourselves with the Old Testament. The Old Testament is types and shadows that point to the New Testament. But in our spiritual journey, I would encourage you to, yes, study the Old Testament, but really dial in on the apostles' teaching. Let's read the Pauline uh, letters, Ephesians and Galatians, about freedom in Christ, and let's read uh, what, what we see in Romans about we're not under the law, and let's, let's focus on the apostles' doctrine and apostles' teaching. And this is, people ask me all the time, I don't know how Pastor Michael feels about this, I've never asked him. People say, how do I know in the Old Testament what I'm supposed to do in the New Testament? I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that we don't see in our churches today, mm-hmm. like sacrificing. Aren't you glad you don't have to come to church with a lamb or a, a pigeon or something? And I don't think the janitors would appreciate that for the carpet. It wouldn't be very nice. It wouldn't be very pretty. So how do we know in the Old Testament what we're supposed to do and follow in the New Testament? This is just my, the way that I view it, the way that I do it. Others may have a different method. But if, if, it, does, if it is pulled over into the New Testament, and there's a lot in the New Testament pulled over from the Old Testament. If it's pulled over from the Old Testament and quoted in the New Testament, I can guarantee you that's something the Lord would still have us continue to do. And there's a lot of things, I want to help you here, there's a lot of things in the Old Testament that we can gain principle from. We may not necessarily put that into practice anymore. Like, example, Solomon had a thousand wives. I mean, no, I don't know that I can get away with that today, praise the Lord. So that's not something I'm going to pull over, obviously, into the New Testament. But in, in all the rules and regulations in the Old Testament, you may not find specific practice, but you may find principle. And you can be for sure, if it's brought over into the New Testament, that the Lord is affirming that that's, that's a plan for His New Testament church. So that's just me. That's, that's kind of how, how I look at that. So we want to give ourselves to teaching. We want to be in a good church that preaches the Word. If, if you move away, Mo, I don't know where you're going to live in five years, but dear me, go to a good church that preaches the Bible. If you're not in this church in five years, go to a church that teaches God's Word, the uncompromised Word of God. You get in the Word and let the Word get in you. They devoted. They were intentional about listening to the teaching of of God's Word through the apostles. They meditated on the Word. What is the benefit of God's Word? Look at Psalm 119 and 11. Psalm 119 and 11 says, Your word have I hid and treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. You don't have a sin problem. You've got a word problem. It's not a sin problem. It's a, it's a word problem. Your word have I hid in my heart. When I get into the word of God, and God's word gets in me and I'm, I'm devoting myself to the apostles' teachings. I'm going to begin to see freedom in, from sin in my life. Isn't that good news? God's word is like bread. Haven't you read Matthew 4, 4? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It comes in and it satisfies and it nourishes us. It's a diet. That's why we've got a snack and a meal and a feast. It's because God's word is is like bread unto us. Look at Job 23, 12. Job had very little of God's word, very little of God's written word, if any. But look what he says. He says, I've not departed from your commands. They've not departed from my lips. I've treasured your words, the words of your mouth, more than necessary food. Do we as a church treasure the word of God more than necessary food? Or have we become so saturated in America 
where there's a Bible on every shelf, there's a Bible on every phone. Who was it that was telling us where they got a, one Bible in their language that was translated? It was one of our recent missionaries. I won't mention their name, but if you are not here, they, they had a case of 16 Bibles and they were down to one Bible and they were praying and seeking God saying, which village do I... I've got one Bible left. Who gets it? But in America, oh, it's just the Bible. I mean, we put the Bible, the president puts his hand on the Bible when he's inaugurated. We pledge allegiance to the Bible in some of our Christian schools and vacation Bible schools. We've become so saturated being around the Bible. We live in the Bible belt. That I'm concerned that as a people and even as a pastor and as a, as a dad, am I teaching my children to value the Word of God more than necessary food? Think about that. This isn't, I desire the Word of God more than Angela's famous cheesecake. You know, I mean, that's not really necessary. If you had to, you can do without cheesecake, I guess, maybe. <laughs> I like cheesecake a lot. But this is necessary food, meaning if I have to eat to live, Versus read God's Word. I'm going to treasure the Word of God more than food that sustains life. Ladies and gentlemen, I will confess to you today with a heavy heart that I'm not there. But I'm believing God over these next 21 days that I will develop such a hunger for the Word of God. They continually, not, not, not even every week or not even every month, they continually devoted them. How serious are we about this journey with God? How serious am I about going to a new level in the kingdom of God? I esteem your word. Treasure, treasure your word more than necessary food. Isn't that interesting? Now I got an illustration here that I want you to help me with. So I've got two things that, that I could give away today. I'm not, so don't get very happy. So I have a Bible, which I'm not going to give away because it's not my favorite Bible. Love it. So you can't have my Bible. But let's assume you could. Let's assume today, Ellie, you get to pick. Have a kind of a ratty, worn Bible. Hang on, a broken Bible is a whole life. Amen? Kind of a worn, ratty Bible here. Then I have a, a $100 bill. It's an actual, legitimate $100 bill. So I really can't give that to you. And I really can't give my Bible to you. If I laid this up front and said, you can have your pick. You pick the Bible, or you get the $100 bill. Which one are we going to choose? Buy the $100 and buy, the, buy a cheaper Bible. And, uh, you've cheated my example. <laughs> Don't you need to go check on Kids Church or something? <laughs> no, we won't. Buy, take $100 and buy a $5 Bible. That's good. <laughs> my boy, that was very clever, though. Very clever. Let's assume there were no more Bibles to buy. Ooh, burn. Is that a burn? Burn. Is that a burn? Burn. All right. There, burn. There are no more Bibles. If you don't know what burn means, ask your kids. They know what it is. Let's assume there are no more Bibles to buy. And I'm a, I've got it. You've got a choice. Now listen, ladies and gentlemen. Look at this scripture. Look at Psalm 19 and verse 10. Look at Psalm 19. Do you see Psalm 19 and 10? Let me read it for you. Psalm 19.10 says it. Go to the next one. There we go. Ready? Thank you. Oh, you're good. Go back one. Here we go. Ready? Psalm 19.10. You were there. Ready? Your words and your judgments are more desirable than gold. That $100 bill is not even worth gold. Gold is more precious than even a $100 bill. Your money is more, yes, fine gold. Not, not 10 karat gold, but 18 karat gold, 24 karat, pure gold, fine gold. Your words and judgments and statutes, sweeter than honey. 
and the drippings of the honeycomb. If, if you came and picked the hundred dollars, you would take this hundred dollars and you would spend it, and in a time you would be broke and you would be gone. But if you take the word of God, it will teach you wisdom on what to do with the hundred dollars. You can feed your family and be blessed for the rest of your life based on the word of God. Hundred dollars will help you for a few weeks. The word of God will help. I'm going to put this in my pocket. I see y'all eyeballing it. I'm going to put it in there now. Hundred dollars buy you groceries. For a week, but the Word of God will teach you how to live and, and sow seed, and it'll teach you how to buy groceries for the rest of your life. Look at 2 Timothy 3. That was the one right before that. Brands in 2 Timothy 3 talks about God's Word. I want you to see this. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 2 Timothy 3 says this, All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable. Somebody say profitable. The Word of God, all Scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Look at verse 17. So that the man and woman of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. So this is what I wrote in my notes, Andrea. The Word of God profits you. The Word of God equips you. And the Word of God matures you, helps you grow, helps you develop. They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now I want to look at one more this morning, and then we'll, we'll let you go because we've got a leadership meeting planned afterwards, and I know that, that we had some extra things today. So let's look at number two. What is the, I like this one too as well. Let's look at the second godly guarantee for growth. Growth personally, growth individually, growth spiritually. Go ahead, Branson, pull that up. The second godly guarantee for growth is this. Number two is fellowship. Fellowship. Don't you like that? But let me know it's got to be balanced. I meant to make a slide with a pie chart that was equal, but I, I didn't get a chance to do it. But imagine a circle divided into four equal quadrants. You've got this one, this one, this one, this one. Each one is balanced. We cannot get out of balance. Some churches, all they do is fellowship. They're very shallow. They don't have any word. Some churches have a lot of word. They're really word-based, but they don't emphasize the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's nowhere there. Some people emphasize the Holy Spirit and movings of the gifts, but they have no word, and so they get a little weird sometimes. They get a little bit out there. We must be balanced. We must focus on the word and the spirit. We must focus on fellowship and teaching. And, and God, do you see the diet God wants us to take as we're going to grow? Growth is natural, but there are there are environments that we can put ourselves in that will help us grow. So Luke tells us, write this down, ready? The early church didn't just have fellowship. Write that down if you're taking notes. The early church didn't just have fellowship. They devoted themselves to it. We have fellowship dinners. But they didn't have fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. I don't have a lot of time to get into the original word here, but you've heard it. It's koinonia, fellowship, the Greek word. And it means participation together in a common goal. Fellowship was a priority. Write that down. Fellowship was a priority. It was one of their objectives. They didn't just have it. They devoted themselves to it. It was an aim. It was important. They they they. Made it a priority. So it's participation together in the common good. I heard a pastor say this week, it's two fellows in a ship. You got two fellows in a ship, boy, they got to row together. Or you're not going to go anywhere. You got to row together. You're going to go in circles. So it's two fellows in a ship. It's partnering together. Write this down. It's social intimacy. Social intimacy. They were family. What do we call this as our church family? 
We have a social intimacy. Let me make a note here. This cannot happen on Sunday mornings only. Yes, it can help. Yes, that's why we do snacks and coffee. You think we just do snacks and coffee because we just like doing snacks and coffee? It's to promote fellowship. There's something about standing there with a cup of awesome coffee, talking to your brother and sister in the Lord about what they've done over the week, communing together. But it is so limited on Sunday mornings that you cannot get the biblical definition of fellowship, partnership, social intimacy just on a Sunday morning. That's why life groups are so important. That's why being involved in a ministry is so important. The worship team has a certain fellowship that you don't have. The usher team, they have a certain fellowship camaraderie that you don't have. Our children's ministry team, they have a certain fellowship among themselves that I don't even have with them because I'm not involved in that ministry on that level. It takes getting involved. It takes getting involved in a life group. It takes coming to Wednesday nights I love Wednesday nights because we can hang out. We're not in any hurry, any rush. We can just kind of talk and share. We can develop this fellowship. Now look at Philemon chapter 1. You'll see this here. Ready? Philemon chapter 1 and verse 4. I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers. Look at verse 5. Because I hear of your love and faith. Remember our goal? What is our vision? To express our faith through love. So Philemon here is being complimented. Paul says, I hear of your love and I hear of your faith which you have towards the Lord and all the saints. Have you ever heard of a passion for God and compassion for people? This is where it comes from. We love the Lord and then we have love towards the saints. This love towards the saints is fellowship. We have fellowship with one another that we don't have with the world. I guarantee you have some friends that are not probably churched and not godly, but you're much closer to Jared because you have a koinonia, you have a spiritual fellowship together. There's something we can have together as a bond that the world doesn't have. Notice this here. It says, I've heard of your love and faith which you have towards the Lord and towards the saints. Now look at verse 6. And I pray, we should pray for fellowship. Have you ever thought about praying? We should pray that this koinonia happens that we are able to connect on such a level that we have this bond, this family partnering together, this social intimacy. I pray that the fellowship of your faith, so faith and fellowship go hand in hand. I pray that the fellowship of your faith may be effective. Meaning, ladies and gentlemen, he's writing here to, to ministers and to churches who were established, but yet they did not have effective fellowship. He's writing to established ministries and churches, but yet their fellowship was not as effective as it could be. So is our fellowship as effective as it can be? He prayed that our fellowship would become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you. Now notice this here. You know when fellowship really happens? When I'm with Tito and we're having lunch and Tito is sharing and there is good stuff in him, and he begins to share. He begins to share the good thing that is in him. And then I begin to share the good godly things that are in me. And we connect those, and we have fellowship together. We have, it begins the koinonia, partnering together, social intimacy in the Lord. Because there's something good in you. Let me just stay here for a minute. For, for the good thing which is in you, there's something good in you. There's something good in this church. There's something in you that the world needs. I want to take a moment and have you say this, not just for repetition's sake, but I want you to say this, if you can, on purpose. Say it with me and say it out loud. Say, there's a lost, dying, hurting humanity, a lost, dying, hurting humanity. Out, there, out there, and they need me. They need me. 
Randy and Emily, they need you. They need a godly church. Melissa, they need you. Jim, they need you on the campus. Josh, they need you at your job. Joyce, they need you on the employment. Mary, they need you in your family. We have something good from God in us. Notice this here now. Look, I want you to go to the next verse. Go down to verse 7. This is powerful. So the good thing in you, when you share the good thing in you, that God has put in you, and I'm sharing the good thing God has put in me. Do you see the, the coming together and the intimacy and the fellowship? It says, for I've come with much joy and comfort in your love. Your love for one another it brings fellowship, the koinonia, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed. The hearts of the saints have been refreshed. When you come in this church through the music, through the offering, through the announcement, through the preaching, our goal is that you are refreshed. Let me show you this in Proverbs 11. This is so powerful. Proverbs 11, verse 25. I believe you'll see it next on the screen. Proverbs eleven twenty-five 25 says this. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So let me just chop this tree for a minute. Can I do that? I used the tree example because Josh has a massive manly chainsaw at his house that he was showing me. If you want to see a manly chainsaw, that man has a very manly chainsaw. <laughs> I felt manly just looking at his chainsaw. I mean, he's very impressive. So let me chop this tree for a minute, okay? Let's talk about fellowship. Let's talk about the social intimacy, this body of Christ that the world cannot have, that, that we have with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It is, it is connected to you refreshing others. When you come to church, when you come to our church service, do you come to be encouraged? Do you come to, uh, I'm going to you know, be encouraged today. I'm hoping people love on me today. I'm feeling down and, and, and I need pumped up. I need pepped up. And if you do, that's good. That's okay. We, we, we meet you there. But the goal is for you not to always come to church needing to be tanked up and needing to be filled up. Please do that. That's what we're here for. We are a hospital for the sick. We are a hospital for the weak. But the goal is for eventually when Jared comes to church, it's not, oh man, I really need encouraged today. Jared walks in the door going, who can I encourage today? Who can I refresh today? We, we focus so much on ourselves that we forget that we have something good inside of us. And when Mary shows up and begins to refresh Linda... And Linda receives that refreshing and then she begins to refresh Sam instead of, instead of always needing encouraged and always needing pumped up and always needing lifted. That's good. We will lift you. We will encourage you. But eventually take what you've been given and give it away. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And then we begin to see this, this fellowship, this partnering together. And we got to pour it out. So next time we come to church, don't just come thinking, what can you receive? Walk in the door thinking, who can I bless today? Who needs a hug today? Who needs a high five today? You know, high fives are anointed, amen? <laughs> I believe it. Who can I refresh today? This week, when you show up at your job, instead of, I'm just here to do my job, get a paycheck, who can I refresh today? And can I be honest with you? When you show up and your mission is to refresh, it's, it's against culture. It's cross-cultural when you show up on campus and your aim, he with a generous eye is blessed. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. When you show up that way, people are going to think you're a little odd and they're going to think you have a wrong motive. What do they want? Why are they being so nice? But after years, have you known me for years and years? There's no hidden motive. I just want to refresh you. I just want to encourage you. I just want to pour into you. 
Let me say this as we close this today. If you are dry and distant in your walk with God, listen, friends, if you can, please, this is, this is revelation from the Lord. If you are dry and distant in your walk with God, Satan has crept into your walk and he has stolen your fellowship because your fellowship is the first thing that he goes after. How does someone walk away from God? The first thing they do is quit coming to church. Right? They drop out of life group. They quit coming on Wednesday nights. Now some of you work on Wednesday nights. I'm not condemning you there. But they don't show up to things. They used to show up to the ladies' meetings and now they don't. And they don't have a good reason or an excuse. Or Candy's got 42 kids. I mean, she's got an excuse every now and He just couldn't let me win. He just couldn't let me beat him. So... I do it every week, praise God. It's a blessing. It's good. I don't feel that same calling, but I'm glad for it. Help you and support you. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, now listen now, friends. Satan gets you out of church. That's how he could, because if you love God, he's not going to just get you away from God. He separates you at the point of fellowship. He separates you at the point of fellowship. And you come to church and you're like, well, I just don't get anything out of church anymore. I'm not connected with anybody. There is an element of we, we who are here and established, we must be connect, connecting. If you've not connected with Mo and Jared, shame on you. And I don't mean that mean. I do mean that a little bit mean. <laughs> not too mean. But shame on me for not connecting with. Now, I don't mean take them out to dinner every night. Okay, they would like that. They're constant. I feel the Spirit of God on that. But dear me, say hello to somebody and, and ask them their name. And it's more than just, just hello. The perfunctory hello and how are you doing, that, that, is, that is not even be, the, just the beginning of, of, of fellowship. But, but let, let's get to know one another like we know each other, fellowship with one another. But we, you know, you ever seen a family that's real closed and it's like, we're a family. You, you ain't from around these parts, are you? You know what I'm talking about? You ain't from around here, are you? What gave it away? Uh, the accent, you know? <laughs> well, let's not be, you ain't from around these parts. Let's be, let's, we, we must have this deep, intimate quantity, this fellowship, this connection, but we must also be willing and able and welcoming anybody else that comes in the fold, anybody else that comes in the family. We have to be willing to put that on a little bit of a risk because when you open yourself up, you could get burnt. But I'm willing to open myself up and, and take a chance on getting hurt, take a chance on getting abused and burnt because we love people. And if, if a wolf comes in in sheep's clothing, we will be able to tell and they won't stay very long. Have you noticed we don't have dividers in our church? Have you noticed that we don't have wolves in our church? Have you noticed they don't stay very long because they don't get a microphone? And usually when they come in, all they want is a microphone. And if you'll wait a month and not give them a microphone, they'll leave and go somewhere else that they think they can get a microphone. And so we're going to watch that. We're going to protect you. But we've also we've got to open ourselves up and take a risk. So if you feel dry and distant in your walk with God, Satan has more than likely crept into your fellowship and he's stolen that aspect. It's the first thing he attacks. His goal is to isolate. That's why they were born again. They were saved. Day one, they continued and devoted in fellowship. Day one, they continued and devoted in the apostles' teaching. Day one, they continued and developed in the breaking of bread. Come back next week. I'm going to show you something on the breaking of bread I bet you've never seen. That's how we really get to know one another, and it can be a tremendous witnessing ministry tool just by breaking of bread. We're going to show you that next week. Then they continued in prayer. Prayer and worship, the spiritual part of it. We can't just be unbalanced. We have to have a balanced diet. Amen?
Amen.